0: Welcome to the Veterinary Project Podcast, episode 104.
1: Welcome to the show created by vets featuring absolutely no pets. This is the Veterinary Project Podcast, created by Dr. Michael Bug and Dr. Jonathan Light. Our resident veterinarians have swapped out their stethoscopes in favor of microphones to bring you the Veterinary Project Podcast, a show Focused on real conversations, aimed to connect this amazing profession full of remarkable people. Through the sharing of collective stories and wisdom, and connecting over the many unique challenges we face, we invite you to join our community of veterinary professionals leading intentional lives. And now, let's get started with another episode of the Veterinary Project Podcast. welcome back to the veterinary project
0: podcast you are joined by dr michael Bodd and dr jonathan Lait. mike it's been a few weeks i haven't seen your smiling face you went and got some gold you went and hurt your back what's shaken in your world
2: yeah it has i w- this might be our longest uh I mean the uh, the listeners don't know this cuz the audio the episodes are coming out weekly but this has been our longest gap cuz we had a bunch pre-recorded so it's great to see you
0: Little little hug, love thing whatever that looks like <laughs> they can they can't see you Jonathan they can only hear you hey we have more and more listeners that are watching our youtube videos it astounds me and it is it is becoming more and more popular yes. i mean strike you know give some love hey I mean, okay, whatever, we can go wherever we want on
2: these intros. I, I follow a lot of stock stuff and I am hearing stats that now more people officially by the numbers are watching TV on their computer, like AKA YouTube and whatnot, than cable. Right. And I mean, it obviously everyone knows that the tide has been shifting, but it looks like the numbers are starting to like show. Yeah. It's, it's actually tipped over. So anyway. You, YouTube here.
0: number YouTube number two search engine in the world. Yeah. long, long second to Google number one, owned by both the same company. Yeah. but okay.
2: no, other than that,, uh, two weeks ago, I was out in your beautiful province, taken in the Rocky Mountains. Um, I do have to give you props. You live in a beautiful part of the world.
0: There's a lot of nice On my things. props. I was just born here and decided to call it home again.
2: Yeah, no, it's beautiful out there. And then yeah, last week was that national ball hockey tournament. In Ontario, Canada. So that was good. We were able to win that, and that will put us in worlds in 2023. Location to be determined, they said, but it sounds
0: like the US is the front runner. So it might not be that far away from home. That's excellent. Well, congratulations. And going into it a little bit, uh, harder than your last gold, easier. What did it look like from a team perspective?
2: This was harder because. Last year, uh, there was less teams in the tournament, still just COVID stuff. You know, some of the teams, did. it was in Calgary, so some of the Eastern teams didn't want to make that that big of a trip. Being in Ontario, a little more central. um, So we had teams coast to coast, right? Like BC, Vancouver was there. Newfoundland was there. Um, You know, we had to play both of those in the playoffs. So 12 teams across all of Canada. It was definitely harder. Another year older,
0: which never helps on the body, but it was good. And you still pulled the gold, which is great. And then you're getting back into it. And today for our guest is a gentleman that uh, I had the opportunity to speak with him a number of weeks ago uh, in a pre-recording session. And as I got into it, we ended up chatting and we were at the beach doing a pre-recording. So my family was down at the beach. I jumped up to the, to the car, took my notes as it's going. And I remember texting you afterwards and going, this is going to be a great episode. Maybe not for our listeners, but now that we've just done the recording, it is going to be great for our listeners as well. There's so much in common between the three of us, minus Navy SEALs, minus you know, active true duty military, minus now software. Like the 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 gentleman has done a lot in his 13 years since graduating veterinary medicine. Also, is a specialist on top of that, so I think he's uh, he's doing well. I said after we jumped off
2: recording, I said to Elliot, I. I was just picturing him if your veterinary degree is a passport and his is just full of stamps of all the things he's done and he's still early in his career. Like I think he said he's 13 years out. He's still got decades ahead of him
0: and he's done a lot of stuff. So pretty cool conversation. I think this is the epitome of what the veterinary project is all about is bringing individuals that are doing different things in veterinary medicine Dr. Elliot Garber is exactly one of those gentlemen that is doing it. So let me get into the bio and then we'll get into it. Before I do so, I want to put out there, Dr. Garber works for a company called Instinct. By no means were we paid by Instinct to have him on there or solicit for this program and or this software. We just think it's a cool program and uh, we wanted to learn more about it. So again, I just put that out there as a caveat in case anybody's wondering, hey, you know, do we pay to have Dr. Garber on here? Heck no. That's not what we do on the veterinary project. Uh, and if we see interesting software people, individuals in the vet space, guess what? We're going to have them on. You want to listen? Fantastic. If you don't, your choice. So with that, our bio for Dr. Elliot Garber is a specialist in veterinary pre- prevention of medicine and a graduate of Tufts University and University of Virginia. He led and trained teams in clinical practice for eight years while in the military, including three years as veterinarian to the Navy SEALs and their working dogs. His science thriller, The Chimera Sequence, was published in 2015. Elliot built and sold an eight-figure e-commerce and marketing agency before joining Instinct to launch the veterinary industry's first electronic prescribing software we think you're going to enjoy it please get into it our conversation with dr elliot garber dr elliot thank you very much for joining us this afternoon we were just speaking in our pre-recording mike and i have had a little bit of a break from recording so we have a lot of energy today as well I see a very interesting conversation ahead of us as there is a lot of interest aligned between the three of us. So thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: This is an exciting time. Uh, We did our pre-recording for this conversation. It's a few weeks back now. And the more you shared your life story, your entrepreneurial journey, your family, and where you find yourself today, I went, whoa, we have a lot of different Wormholes, and we're we're going to try and keep to three main themes, but I don't know if we'll get there today. I think for our audience who uh, won't be familiar with that background, tell us a little bit about yourself, and really, what's got you to this point in your career?
3: Yeah, thanks. Um, so I graduated thirteen years ago. Hard to believe that it's been so long. I went to Tufts University in Massachusetts, and I. Um, Went to vet school kind of uncertain about exactly what path I was going to take professionally. Um, I knew that I was interested in both the human medicine public health side of things um, and also wildlife conservation and what hadn't been sure kind of exactly whether I was going to even pursue a DVM degree or wanted to go to medical school or get a PhD, something like that. And ended up just figuring out that hey as a vet i could actually stay involved keep a finger in those different pots maybe more effectively than i could as either of those other types of professionals um so going to tufts it's an expensive private school in the states and so i learned about a a scholarship program my first year through the military and applied for it and got a three-year scholarship. And basically that meant that they would be paying for all of my tuition and additional fees and things, and even a living stipend, et cetera. And in exchange, I would owe a number of years after graduating. Um, So it felt like a huge decision and it it was a huge decision (laughs) Um, committing my life to that. Um, but I, I could see that it kind of aligned with my interests in being able to combine clinical medicine with public health, which is a lot of what military veterinarians do. Um, and so I decided to take the plunge and sign on the dotted line. Um, and that put me on a great footing to then have more freedom in these last few years to explore other alternative options, um, as a veterinarian. So, Excellent. Yeah. Well,
0: I think, uh, and we're going to get into this a little bit because we did talk about it in the pre-recording and there's not, uh, I don't think we've had another guest that's gone through the military route, Mike, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and for us Canadians, I don't know if that was even an option. So let's talk a little bit about that. When you say uh three-year scholarship and
3: then in return, you're giving service back to your country, correct? Exactly, Yeah. And that's how the the U.S. military gets most of their medical professionals, at least, is through that same type of scholarship program. Um, And at least a a few years ago, I know that the Canadian military actually didn't have veterinarians in the service. They contracted out for that. Um, And then when you're deployed in an overseas environment, you're actually using us as the um, kind of co um allied nation veterinary services for if you have working dog teams and things like that so um i've definitely seen dogs and their handlers from a number of different countries when i'm in those types of settings too
0: very cool now when you sign on the dotted line like that without going into too many specifics uh you finish school you graduate you have your dvm are are you then um conscripted to go wherever they so choose you to go based on need in terms of geography, location, and setup?
3: Yeah, basically you've, you've signed your life over. Um, thankfully not literally for most, although we did have one vet killed in Iraq, um, number of years ago, just random roadside bombing. Um, And so, yeah, definitely is a possibility. But for the most part, yeah, you do get a little bit of say in what type of job you want to have, where you want to live. But at the end of the day, it's um, Uncle Sam who gets to tell you (laughs) and you have to say, aye, aye, let's do it. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: I'm so curious. What kind of time commitment? So, you know, in exchange for the three year scholarship on the back end, how long is this contract in effect for?
3: Yeah, so you have to do, you sign on for four years active duty, and then another four years in the reserves, which there are a variety of different types. Um, And so four year minimum is kind of the real commitment that most people are signing on for. Um, I ended up doing eight years on active duty because I was kind of able to get assignments that I was excited about and places wanted to be. um, And so decided to do that full eight year commitment active. And now I've stayed in as a reservist as well. So um, I'm still kind of progressing through towards a retirement package as an army officer um, and have ever since I got off active duty have actually been um, connected with a unit based out of Germany. Um, And so I have been going over there Every three to six months or so to train with the unit there and have done a bunch of missions all around um, Eastern and Southern Europe with that unit since that time. And so that's been kind of a fun way to continue doing something totally different from what I'm doing professionally. And honestly, as an entrepreneur, it's great also because we get all the kind of great military benefits um, through the military and the stability of a retirement eventually. While letting us pursue things that otherwise I might not have felt like my kind of risk tolerance could be willing to do.
0: That's amazing. And I also uh, would love to add in just a question related to our pre recording, which was you had felt public health was the way you wanted to go. And yet, with the military, you got to actually to get into the operations of running a clinic. Which I also thought was pretty badass because you were dealing with some Navy SEALs as well too.
3: <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I honestly I never went to vet school thinking that I wanted to be a small animal clinician. I had never volunteered or worked in a small animal clinic <laughs> before vet school. Um, I had done mostly equine stuff um, in terms of getting my experience, and so I I knew though that signing up with the military I was going to be kind of forced to become competent in that way, and I'm glad for that. Um, But it was very much a challenge. I don't think I'm necessarily cut out for that most naturally. Um, And so was glad to have the experience um, in running a clinic. And I don't think that the the military necessarily does it the best way because they put these relatively new grad veterinarians in responsible for running your classic little general practice, oftentimes overseas, um, where you're the only vet around. And so you're kind of trying to do the business side, the medical side, um, take care of your soldiers and your civilian employees all together. Um, And it's definitely a challenge for most. It was for me. Did they provide any formal training to that outside of
0: what the academy or whatever your training would look like in order to try and set you up for success or it was going?
3: (laughs) For me, I was actually the last graduating class that didn't get as much. We did have kind of a condensed little um, training out in Texas at Fort Sam Houston for a couple months to kind of give an overview on how everything works. But actually after that, they instituted a mandatory one year internship program. Um, And so every graduating vet who's going to be going into the military starts off at one of the larger veterinary centers, with specialists and a lot of more organized mentoring to help them be prepared for success. So that's really good that they're doing that. (laughs) Last question for our listeners who are going,
0: wow, they've already got off the deep end and we haven't even got to the next part of your journey is for individuals uh, that are looking at opportunities to offload debt burden. You had signed up after your first year in terms of a scholarship that covered off the remainder of your time. Is that available to those that want to do that, but maybe not sign up until the end of their DVM journey? What does that look like? And again, I'm speaking from a U.S. framework.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, Yes, it depends on kind of what the overall strength and needs of the military are, depending on what's happening in the world and with our federal budget and things like that. But generally there are always a few slots available for graduated veterinarians who want to come in and they get a variety of different types of kind of sign on bonuses and loan repayment programs um, to where that can definitely make a big chunk um, in terms of the payments that you might owe for student loans. Um, So that's, that's very much an option. There is also another option that we have here not for military service but for any kind of government or nonprofit service which is not quite as advantageous but over a 10 year commitment basically you can end up getting most of your loans paid back without having to pay the a significant chunk of it yourself
0: yes yes and depending on I've spoken with a couple of specialists that are going down that route depending okay. on this what's available. And it's, it's quite the, uh, it's quite the journey they have to undergo. So yeah. <laughs> to say the least, but options available for those that, you know, have some debt burdens that they want to remove and or need to, et cetera. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Moving forward then when you jumped into, so you had eight years of active duty uh, and now in, as a reservist, you have this whole other side of your life also that you were getting into from an entrepreneurial venture, financial independence, Hey, we're married, we're having lots of kids. What does that look like in the world of Dr. Elliot Garvin?
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm honestly kind of was born an entrepreneur, I was always thinking of ways to make money involving animals <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, my science experiments were also always like turtle breeding center, um, and trying to present a way that like you'd have all these amazing places for the turtles to come out and lay their eggs. Then you'd be selling the babies and all that stuff. Um, when I was in middle school, I had a backyard egg business, chicken egg business and um, had borrowed money from my parents to build the coop and pay them back over a couple of years and um, sold the eggs at my carpool line. Um, so I've always been a little bit unusual in being willing to kind of do the weird things to put myself out there um in that way and so but I think that for most of my college and and vet school and military time I really had kind of pushed that far into the background um and was mostly considering kind of okay how am I going to do this traditional 30 40 year career whatever it's going to be um and was very close to going down a different path I was, Um, I mean, it's very tempting once you're in the active duty military system to just say, hey, you know what, I'm going to do my 20 years and then you start collecting your retirement benefits right away. And um, that's a very nice way to gain instant financial independence, basically, um, at a relatively young age for people. Um, But I just I felt like I was a little bit too independent to be able to make that work for another 12 years. Um, And so I was also seriously considering transferring into a different service in the U S government. We have something called the public health service, which basically you're as a military veteran, you can transfer some of your time into that. And then you can get farmed out to any number of different federal agencies like the CDC or USDA um, USAID, And there's a lot of really cool, jobs and vets doing interesting projects around the world in those kind of um, positions. And as you probably saw on my website, like we were talking about before the recording, um, that's kind of what I was really focused on for a while was kind of both figuring out for myself, but also sharing opportunities for others who are interested in a lot of those non-traditional veterinary careers. Um, So for better or for worse, decided, no, I'm going to make a go of it on my own. Um, And so had started up a little side hustle, honestly, was doing a lot of reading, like a lot of people in our position, probably about ways to make money on the side and online. And at the time that I was getting into that, the big thing was FBA, which is Amazon fulfilled, like fulfillment by Amazon, and kind of how that had changed the e-commerce experience and possibility and made it a lot simpler for someone who is just getting into it. And so I decided to follow the the typical path that all the gurus were teaching and see where it would take me um, and ended up growing that more quickly and successfully than I could have imagined. And so that's what I ended up selling um, a couple of years ago um, and then decided, you know, what, I'm, I'm a little bit tired of physical products because they actually have to be shipped around the country and um, stored somewhere and cost a lot to bring them over the ocean and things like that. So I've heard software is a much more appealing business model. Um, and at the same time I was realizing there's some, Big problems in our industry that were causing vets a lot of pain points um, and were coming up every day in discussions that I was part of um, that could have kind of a more software type solution. And so I decided to pursue that. And that's what took me to the electronic prescribing and brought me into Instinct. Excellent.
0: Well, again, a lot to unpack there. <laughs> and if I'm jumping back, uh, building out a couple of small businesses. Getting the the experience, but learning what works and doesn't. Uh, when you speak about the small e-commerce and pet marketing business that you sold, which then sold to another company and then sold to a big company, uh, if I'm correct, that was a successful
3: offboarding, was it not? Like you you were able to do well with that, where you had some choices you needed to make. Yeah, it definitely wasn't life changing or fu money, if you're familiar with that term. <laughs> um, but it was enough to make me feel comfortable with kind of taking some more experimental steps. And so I think that's the case for a lot of entrepreneurs and people pursuing um, financial independence in different ways is you just kind of have to get to that next step where you're a little bit more comfortable taking the next set of risks and um, putting yourself out there in different ways. So, yeah, that's what it did for me.
0: And so from that standpoint, Elliot,
3: and everybody's got a little bit of a different answer to this,
0: what does you and your wife's, uh, what does financial independence look like to you guys?
3: Yeah, good good question. Um, So my wife, Becca, is a nurse um, by training. She worked for a few years after graduating school, and then we moved overseas to Italy for three years with the military, and she wasn't able to work there. And we also just had our second child. Um, and so she's mostly done a few different sides kind of businesses as well. Since that time, she was into blogging for a while at the same time as I was. Um, and probably both of us should have stuck with it, but it's okay that we didn't. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think both of us would love to be in a place where we just feel really financially secure so that we can continue to pursue our professional and personal and community, passions without having the kind of overwhelming, um, how are we going to feed our family or have a place to live um, hanging over us? And and so we don't necessarily have a number like some people. Um, I don't like to have a bunch of cash just sitting around. I'm always trying to put it into the next thing. <laughs> um, and so I would rather have a bunch of assets that we can be confident are paying for themselves and for the life that we're hoping to have, um, to give us that freedom to, yeah, it's not that we want to stop working at all. Um, it's, we want to be able to focus on our kids that we have five kids, um, our community, our extended family, um, and continue to work on things professionally that excite us and, um, hopefully help take care of the world and make it a better place. So.
0: That's excellent. That sounds like a fulsome whole life and a life of choice as opposed to need, which you know is the yeah. opposite. Yeah, it's a privilege to be able to think about that for sure. That's it. Did you expect, and again, I'm going down multiple wormholes here. Uh, did you expect your DVM to be able to afford you the ability to make those choices when you first went into it compared to where you've gotten now?
3: Uh, pro- Honestly, I, I wasn't really thinking very much from a financial perspective, (laughs) when I went into
0: it. (laughs) That's that's most of us really going. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um,
3: Yeah, I really, and also because my pre-vet experience was somewhat limited, I didn't have much in the way of seeing different lifestyles that different veterinarians had. And so I'm probably, that's probably a really good thing that I didn't get some of the burnout or pressure that I might have felt from other veterinarians working in a more traditional clinic setting, because um, I'm not sure if I would have gone that route. Then, but. great answer. Uh, when we had spoken about it, two traditional, you know, different ways
0: to financially set yourselves up for success: real estate, one of them, investing. We put crypto down, travel, travel by design, all these pieces. Uh, where would you say over the years and you know you're 13 years out of school so is Mike myself I'm 12 years out we're in that same framework has there been certain aspects of that financial design that's that stuck to you that
3: you feel like you've leashed out more to now? yeah I think over the years and I've been pretty actively kind of following the financial independence movement and the real estate investment um, communities online over, Now, five to 10 years or so. Um, And so, from I kind of have melded those two probably as the primary routes for us um, in terms of kind of you can't beat the market. So, um, Vanguard index funds all the way. But, you know, maybe if you're willing to put in some more individual effort Mm -hmm. and leverage using what's available with real estate, then you can shortcut yourself a little bit. Um, in ways that are advantageous. So yeah, we haven't have done anything quite as ambitious as I know, Michael, you're taking on in terms of larger properties and things like that. But we own a few small multifamily buildings and um, individual kind of single family homes that we've tried a variety of long-term rentals and medium-term like travel nurse type rentals and short-term Airbnb type stuff too. So.
0: And you know, without going
3: into the specifics and such,
0: um, do you find those successful and do you enjoy doing them? And I asked that for our listeners, yeah. going, wow, <laughs> you know, you've got three individuals on this call that have done it. Oh, it must be just easy to do.
3: <laughs> um, yes, I would say overall we find it enjoyable. Um, almost because it it feels like you're gaming the system in some way, but you have to understand it's not passive income um, for what that's worth. Like it's very much active income. You just have to enjoy that the fact that you're researching properties on Zillow at night instead of watching a show or something instead. Um, And so I think I'm really fortunate also that in my wife, we've kind of found a good balance of um, powers and things that we're good at. And so um, she's taken on a lot of the more active traditional property management type stuff. Whereas I'm the one who does a lot of the work kind of getting it set up to having the asset then that for her to kind of take over from there so that's been fun and your properties are they in the same state
0: are they in virginia or do you have them abroad
3: um yeah they are all in virginia here which is makes it simple from some perspective so yeah excellent mike i'm
0: hoarding the questions from this (laughs) Usually, when it comes to real estate
2: well i mean i'm enjoying the conversation i won't i won't push us off the real estate deep end the thing um, that's jumping out to me that I'm really enjoying is what you said about all of these pieces that you and your wife are putting together and leading towards this financial freedom. A lot of times people will think like this idea of retirement is like, okay, we shut it all down. We hang out on the beach all day. You know, we've we've won the game. And it's like, no, it's nothing like that. It's just allowing you to explore more of your interests and make more of an impact. That's what really jumped out for me. You know, seeing all the pieces you put in and then now what you're jumping into. I think that's very cool. And I think that's when people do their best work and have the greatest impact like on the world when you have that freedom, you know, to just freewheel because you know the basics are taken care of. So that's it's it's fun hearing your story and seeing it kind of come around to that and then seeing what you're up to now.
3: Yeah, thanks. Well, I've loved the the little pieces you've done recently. I don't know if you you haven't put them on the podcast, just on your YouTube channel, I think kind of the shorts about real estate investing and things like that. Um, and so I hope you'll continue with that because I it's great to hear from another vet who is taking some of that to the next level. Um, and yeah, definitely love the learning that you're putting out there for that. Love it. There's mutual bro love going on. (laughs) And
0: we've got a new quote in freewheeling, And that is so true, Mike, I wrote that down. Uh, But as we go into another section of Elliot, what is your full-time job now, if I'm not correct, in regards to your VP role with instinct, um, I, I, before we go into that really, you know, in depth, which we want to as well uh, is Mike's comment on free and, and freewheeling can take on so many different personas But I'm assuming that that financial security allows you then to jump into a startup as you have and take those risks and also be able to have a chance to really do well in an area that does need help and support. I'm putting words in your mouth. (laughs) Tell me what that looks like to you. And I really am.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's very much true for me. And I think that's a common story is, I mean, you see it, people kind of deriding this sometimes, but it's only like the... Ivy League graduates from very wealthy families who can afford to kind of go way out on a limb for entrepreneurship because they know they have a solid foundation to kind of fall back on. Um, And so, yeah, if it weren't for kind of all the progressive steps that we've made over the years with the military and some small wins and kind of building up this little portfolio of things, um, then I definitely would probably be more likely to be in a U.S. government job, just kind of the stable nine to five, um, good benefits, um, or looking at something corporate, something like that. But, um, yeah, very much. I appreciate the freedom that it gives to take on a little bit more interesting, bigger problems and hopefully provide valuable solutions for them.
0: Excellent. Well, let's jump into that, what you're doing in your day-to-day now, because when you described to me what your role is with instinct, I went, that is a fantastic sounding role. And we've got more into these conversations. Uh, I went, it, Elliot's, Elliot's in a good fit here. So tell us a little bit more. What is Instinct? Um, how do we connect in terms of what that looks like? And how did you get into uh, what is a really innovative platform from that standpoint?
3: Yeah. Um, so Instinct Science is a, a veterinary software company started about six years ago by a fellow veterinarian ER vet named Dr. Caleb Frankel and his group of co-founders. They had actually just come from Brief Media, which is the largest publisher in the vet space in the US. They published Clinician's Brief um, and they had just built out the Plums Veterinary Formulary app for the first time, kind of converting it from the big book on the um, lab desk to (laughs) the app in your phone or on your computer. And so, um, and Caleb and I had started interacting online, actually, kind of in the early days of vets creating a platform for themselves and putting themselves out there. Um, and, and it just stayed in touch since then. Um, so I had been focusing in on this issue that veterinarians in the U.S. and I think in most places in the world um, are still limited in the ways that they can send a prescription to an outside pharmacy and part of that is because we've traditionally acted as our own pharmacist which has been great for our profession Uh, means we can keep those sales internally and have honestly charged a lot for some of those drugs we we were used to pretty heavy markups on a lot of them for a while Um, and for better for worse now The trends have shifted to where there's a lot of competition from both the big online players and the retail pharmacies who have seen that pet medications can be a lucrative business that they want to get into as well. Um, And so now vets are faced with kind of the dual headache of not only am I losing this sale that um, I was accustomed to having myself in the past, but I'm having to waste a bunch of time and energy um, dealing with getting this script, um, to this outside pharmacy, whether that's them calling me or faxing me or my client getting in an argument because they don't want to get it from me. want to get it from them. Um, and so it's just turned into this common refrain of, Hey, there must be a better way to do this. And there is, and in human healthcare in the U S, um, starting about 15, 20 years ago, this whole ecosystem around electronic prescribing has developed um, that was partially spurred on by some of our federal um, medical systems, um, which were behind the curve relative to you all um, from that perspective, um, by that forced some standardization and spurred on this um, basically capability to where for us as a human patient, when we go to our doctor, They say, where do you want to pick up this prescription? You say this pharmacy in this shopping center, they hit a button right there within their primary software, their EMR and half an hour later, whatever it is, then you can pick it up at that pharmacy and there's no phone calls or faxing required. Um, So basically we're just, I had the goal to bring that capability into the vet space. Um, And so sold what was really just a very early business concept that I had been putting together to Instinct. Mostly it was kind of an aqua hire type thing and joined the Instinct team to begin bringing that into reality. And so as we've been doing that, I've also just taken on a little bit more broad role within the company of acting as our liaison out into the industry with other Partners that we're communicating with about integrations and big, the big corporate groups that we're trying to sell the merits of our software to and and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I think it has been a really good fit for me and it's the kind of thing that I can look at Sunday evening and say, you know what? I'm excited about the calls I have scheduled tomorrow and not dreading it, which is a great place to be. So,
0: How hard was it, Elliot, to take a turn, not so much a turn in your career, but add into your career this role, which is a non-traditional DVM role. And it sounds like, you know, for the most part, you've always had non-traditional DVM roles and do this in a software startup. And I'm just going to provide context as well for our listeners. Uh, Instinct's now over in half of the teaching hospitals in North America, is it not?
3: Yeah, that's right. And so that's mostly with our first product, which is called Instinct Treatment Plan. And that is basically a a workflow platform, um, digital treatment sheet, and whiteboard that provides a lot of functionality that the legacy practice management software systems are lacking and that allow for more efficient uh, management of patients as they work their way through the hospital. Um, And so have had really great um, interest in that, especially in the larger specialty and teaching hospitals and the emergency world. Um, And then about two years ago, Caleb and the team, just as I was coming in, actually launched a full EMR, full practice management system as well. And so that was the second product. And that's probably kind of the, the main flagship product for our future um, and we're actively transitioning a lot of the customers that had been in our treatment plan software to that full EMR and also signing on a lot of new hospitals um, actually just had an inquiry from big hospital in Ontario yesterday and we were going back and forth because I guess the the college of veterinarians in um, Ontario requires something unique about um, cloud based Software being based in Canada, um, which is maybe different from we do have Canadian customers already, but they are unique in that. So we were verifying, yes, we can meet that, um, meet that for them. And then the Instinct Scripts, which is the electronic prescribing, is still in beta right now, um, but that's kind of our third product. And that's a a different go-to-market strategy because that's actually going to be totally free for the vet side of it. And it's just funded by the pharmacies who are receiving those prescriptions. And so we're hoping that makes it really easy and appealing for vets to start utilizing um, and also introduce them to some of our other software products too.
0: Excellent. The software uh, game from an outside perspective, that's, this is a, a pure opinion only. Um, depending on the niche area you are in veterinary medicine can be quite full right now. Where do you see in terms of relationship building, um, getting involved with whether it's academia or corporate, uh, the challenges as well as the successes you've had for those that may be looking at it from the outside going, I don't even really know what Elliot's talking
3: about. What is it doing? Yeah, well, and that's the funny thing. When I talk to anyone in my real life, kind of who's not in the vet space, they're like, why do vets need software? Um, And and then of course it's, well, every business needs software to run everything in this day and age, from the business functions to the employee scheduling and appointments and then the medical record and lab testing. And um, so at the most basic level, that's what we're doing. We're bringing all that together into a really smooth efficient fun interface for veterinarians and their staff to use and i think um, vets have been done a disservice in the software space for the last few decades in that we haven't had great options for the most part and so people have just kind of gotten used to living with all these daily headaches of way too many clicks um, to get done what you want um, in efficient ways that you have to copy and paste stuff around different areas. and um, and so we're trying to bring kind of the ease that people feel when they pick up an iPhone for the first time and just kind of know intuitively how it works and where you would find something that you're looking for, want to bring that into the veterinary software space to provide a really unique and fun experience that is totally different from the other options that are out there. How do you, um,
0: in your role, and again, I'm, I'm going deeper than maybe I should have, but I will. How, how, are you are you the guy that's, I'll put it out there, cold calling? Or are you the guy that's building a relationship <laughs> after the cold call? And it's the question following that more important to me is, how have you gained those skills over time or felt that you've had the confidence to now take that on in what is a really competitive space where there are a number of companies doing you know their own version of the same?
3: Yeah. Thankfully don't have to do a lot of cold calling and, and we're really in a fortunate place in that we haven't done any real marketing yet. Six years in Um, it's pretty much all been word of mouth and people have just said, Hey, have you heard of this? It's, it'll really help your team. Um, And so that's how we're spreading around. Um, We totally realize that's going to change as we kind of get to the ends of our first circle of influence and things, but that's what's gotten Caleb and the team to this point is really just, um, and, and part of the strategy of starting in the big specialty and teaching hospitals has affected that in a good way too, because you have all the students and the interns and the residents seeing what's possible with veterinary software. And then they go out to their next job and are like, oh my goodness, I cannot like bang my head against the keyboard more you have to get instinct um and so that's been a kind of a unique marketing effort but actually we're we're trying to hire our first marketing person right now so if anyone wants to apply please check out the website and and do so because we want a great fit yeah that's
0: so good it's it's so funny you mentioned that and when we had first connected via linkedin and and got together uh i love conferences i've been to lots of them and i absolutely remember my conversation with Caleb at ibex in 2017 in my previous role and when like, I, I don't usually live, I go to lots of conferences and I went wow there's something here I can't use it in Canada right now and we have an alternative version which no longer exists a whole different discussion um, but yeah there was something there and you could see also his passion for wanting to disrupt in an area at that time the 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 um, the treatment, electronic treatment sheets, which needed absolute disruption, which has happened. So yeah, both to you guys and uh, appreciate what is, um, like you said, that circle of influence, it makes a big difference in terms of ability to get out there and ahead of people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Nice. Mike, before we come to a close, anything to add on that end? Not a whole lot. Very
2: clever going to the like to the specialty training hospitals because you're absolutely right like that's where every all the students are going to funnel through so you get a lot of eyeballs on it um this is probably an unfair or hard question i'm i'm curious because i have not seen instinct like in action i have no clue what the the platform and software looks like like what would be a few key features you know if you were sort of like that that make it different? And you said the ease of an iPhone, like if I all of a sudden was in a veterinary clinic and instinct is the software up and running, what would sort of jump out at me?
3: Yeah. So a couple of things come to mind. Um, One is that we're the first and only so far veterinary software to have a full integrated experience with the plums app data. And so right in our dosing calculator, when the technician or student or whoever it is, is kind of determining what dose they want to put in to the record for a certain drug. You can pull up the full formulary for any particular drug. You can also print off the client um, information sheets to get to the client um, from that point. And so rather than going out to your browser and looking that up separately and then bringing numbers over, and we all know that occasionally when you copy things over, you're going to fat finger, make errors, um, then you have that built right in. Um, also in those dosing calculators were really unique in that we have, um, what we call decision support tools. Plums is one of those, but we also have built in, um, safety margins for all the most common drugs for dogs and cats. And so we have high levels and low levels to where it would probably be non-therapeutic. And so we, um, Again, are trying to take some of the good things that are developed in human medicine, but the the vet space just hasn't um, been able to utilize yet. And so getting a little kind of warning or question, are you sure this is the dose you want to do? This is outside the range that's been set by your hospital or something for a normal dose for this drug. And so we're, look, yeah, we have seen that um, have a big impact on increasing patient safety. Um, and making people feel better about um, the decisions they're making as they're putting those together. Um, another really simple thing that you wouldn't think is a big deal, but having two-way communication with the veterinary client right from within your PIMS, um, whether that's as an email or a text message, again, not having to go out to a different application to manage that, but having that all happen right within your PIMS and be saved there in the medical record without needing any additional steps. It's just a bunch of little things that end up saving seconds and then minutes and then hours in the day for the staff members is the type of stuff that makes a difference. Well,
0: so important. And uh, you had mentioned earlier the number of clicks. Is that something
3: that is <laughs> working on as well? Because I can yeah. <laughs>
0: the number of softwares that
3: you're clicking <laughs> Yeah, we we try to minimize the clicks and the tabs also that you have to click around. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, that's kind of a classic technology user experience type thing, but unfortunately, hasn't made its way to the vet space very well yet. So we really are wanting to have all the stuff that you're looking for right there in front of you um, and make it really easy to find and work with. So Excellent well it sounds to me that anybody that uh,
0: is looking for further information on Instinct,
3: <laughs> reach out to Dr. Elliot Garber or Dr. Caleb on uh, LinkedIn which yeah. is how and just it. yeah on our website instinct.vet um, you can find a lot more about it mm-hmm. excellent well let's switch
0: it up once again here we are in the timing of our impact round and as Dr. Garber stated earlier he uh, did not have the time to prep for this so we're going right off the cuff cuff on it so that is fantastic uh in terms of some specific questions for you and then short or long answers as make sense for you the first being are you a cat or a dog person
3: oh yeah i do remember this one um i'd say more dog although i honestly i do love them both we have one dog and one cat so kind of fall down the middle um but in terms of the companionship and relationship at least, maybe I've I've only had the right dogs and not quite the right cats yet to <laughs> make that make that happen. Good political answer. In your- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How would your friends describe what you do for a living? I think most would say I'm a veterinarian, but I do weird non-veterinary stuff. <laughs> um, and my family too. Like he's a veterinarian, but more on the business side of things. Maybe they'd say. Nice. Yes. What is your favorite hobby? Mm, um, hanging out with my kids right now. <laughs> um, but I, I do love reading. Um, my wife and I always read before turning out the lights at, at night, um, after being on our phones for too long, of course. But then we actually pull out a real book and um and do that. So yeah, I've always been a reader. I love birding, bird watching. Bird for those in the know and have kind of gone on ups and downs in terms of how seriously I take it. But that's one of the things that I think makes it a great hobby is that you can make it a lifelong passion and even old people can be avid birders. Um, and wherever you are in the world, there's always interesting birds doing interesting things. So.
0: Cool.
3: We've not had that mic before. Not okay. had no,
2: <laughs> and I, I guess I, I do want to jump in and just say props on, You are also a published author on the reading front, which is very impressive. (laughs) Two books. Good job.
3: (laughs) Yeah, thanks.
0: Love to get back to that too. What in this world are you most grateful for?
3: Hmm, probably say um, my family and the um, unique kind of blessings that we have. The fact that we have the freedom to explore um, our passions and And the people around us and are not worried about our day to day sustenance. Excellent.
0: Great way to wrap up the episode. Elliot, it has been a pleasure having you on. I am very excited to see where. No, you're only, well, you're in the same boat as us in terms of career standpoint. So I think we have a lot left. And again, like you had said earlier, it's not just making it to our day of retirement. It's what can you have as an impact on the world? And it sounds as though you are doing so. So thanks for joining us uh, very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. If there are those that want to reach out to you, uh, where are they best
3: to do so and how? Probably through our main Instinct website, um, but I'm also on LinkedIn um, and have an Instagram account, which is mostly just little personal things, not really professional right now. Um, So, yeah. Excellent. Well, with that, as always, we
0: leave our last message to our guests. What message would you like to leave for the veterinary community?
3: Yeah, I think I'll cheat and give two quick ones. Uh, The the first is you don't have to be content with annoying software that makes you want to beat your head against the desk. (laughs) Um, There are better things out there. So take a look and see. And second is that um, you don't have to kind of cave into the pressure of feeling like you have this overwhelming financial burden that it's impossible to get out of Um, as I've just heard and been part of so many different stories over the last years, seeing that people who are willing to take on the hard work and make a change for their lives to set themselves up differently. Um, I truly believe that it's possible for almost anyone to do that. And there's so many different ways in this day and age, whether it's real estate or online businesses or unique, non-traditional veterinary career routes, um, I think that there's something for everyone. So just want to have that little bit of optimism and hope for the future for our colleagues out there.
1: Thank you for listening to the Veterinary Project Podcast. As a recap, on behalf of our hosts, the Veterinary Project Podcast will be releasing new episodes weekly. So be sure to tune in as we bring you more conversations aimed at helping you enjoy a life well lived. If you enjoyed what you heard on the show and you want to stay in the know, please like, love, and or subscribe to the podcast on the listening platform of your choosing as we're available on all the usual suspects. If you know of others that may benefit from these conversations, we'd love it if you please share the show with them, as this will help us grow our community to reach more and more veterinary professionals. Speaking of which, if you are a veterinary professional and would like to get connected with more like-minded individuals who are joining us on this journey, please send an email to theveterinaryprojectpodcast at gmail.com and we'll invite you to be a part of our private Facebook group general feedback requests for information or perhaps requests to be a guest on the show can also be sent to the veterinary project podcast at gmail.com dr michael bug and dr jonathan Light, thank you for listening to the show and we'll catch you again next week for another episode of the veterinary project podcast bye for now